Um, and he just nailed it. He was so nervous about it. It's like, dude, you couldn't even tell. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just so blessed to have all you guys come up and read Proverbs. Um, hey, thank you guys so much for praying for me last week. I was gone last week. Some of you guys, um, my, uh, my daughter had her baby up in Visalia and it came like two and a half weeks early, right? And the bad thing is that my wife Blanca was down in Mexico with her sister on family business and my daughter kept on telling her, mom, you can't go. What if the baby comes early? And Blanca, who knows everything, said, it won't come early, honey. It came early. So Blanca was supposed to get home on the 12th at 12, or no, at, at 10, no, okay, stop. At 7.30 that evening. And so at 2 o'clock, 2.30, on the 12th morning, 2.30 in the morning, my daughter calls me and says my water broke, or whatever it does, it like came out. And uh, she said, Dad, you need to get up here. And so it's a three and a half hour drive, right? And so his sis, uh, my son-in-law's sister went over there, took care of the baby before Grandpa came and saved the day. Uh, and so Grandpa just like manned up and just took care of the situation. We were there for a whole week. And, and when Blanca landed that evening, um, she's like, hey, I'm here. Are you here? And it's like, oh, guess what? Uh, the baby came early, and man, she was devastated. I mean, my poor wife, dude, she does not cry. She just started crying, and it's like, ah, we'll do whatever it takes to get you up here. So I drive down south, and my son drives up north because he picked her up, and we met like south of Bakersfield, and we picked her up so she can go be with my daughter and stuff. And so little Avery Josiah Avanellis was born on the 12th, he was uh, seven pounds, like five ounces or something like that. It was a big, big, two and a half weeks early. Can you imagine? She was supposed to have a next Friday. She had a C-section. Can you imagine how big that thing would have been? It's like, here's your toddler, you know? It's like, man. Like, I, I hear they grow quite a bit after, you know, like towards the end. It's like, he would have been a big boy. But be that as it may, Gary stepped up last Sunday. I heard he cried a little bit, said how much he loved you guys. He's like, I got so stone-faced. Um, you know, it, it's like, but he throws down when he preaches the, the word. And you should have heard him on Thursday night, man, when he finished the, uh, the study uh, on, on Ephesians. If you haven't heard it, you've got to go and listen to it. He just, like, nailed it. And so I just love sitting under Gary when I get to hear him teach. And I know you guys were blessed. And I mean, some of you guys are like, why do we need you if we have Gary? And it's like, <laughs> really? You know he is older than me. He'll probably die before me. So we don't need him. But be that as it may. I love that cat. So after being off for a week, we are back in 1 John chapter 2. So if you can make your way over to 1 John chapter 2. Um, we started it a couple weeks ago. And we just covered the first two verses that week. And this morning, we're just going to be covering from verse 3 to verse 11. And just kind of looking at where I'm at with this, we're probably going to be in chapter 2 for at least three or four more studies. There is a lot. It's a long chapter. So I encourage you to read chapter 2 and just get a feel for what chapter 2 is saying because there's a lot to cover. And I don't want to shortchange it. I want to give it some due diligence. And so um, just, just be in it. Um, there is a big difference, a vast difference between having to do something 
versus needing to do something versus wanting to do something. Vast difference in, in, in all of that. To have to do that, uh, to, do, to do something, to need to do something, to want to do something. A slave has to do what his master tells him to do because if he doesn't, he gets punished. Because a, a, a slave has no choice in the matter when, when he is working for his master. And, and a slave does not act out on his own interests. He is there to make life better for someone else. That is who he is. That is what he does. And so he cannot make his own decisions in that. Now, an employee, employee, an employee needs to do what his master has told him to do. Because if he doesn't, he can get fired from his job if he does not do what his master is telling him to do. Now, he does have a choice in the matter, but it could cost him his job, and more than likely, he needs to be providing for his family. And so he needs to do that. An employee should not be acting on his own interests um, because he's working for someone else. And he's, he has a family to take care of. Uh, on the other hand, a Christian... Christian should want to do what his master tells them to do. That's what a Christian should be doing. Should want to. Because if he doesn't, then it kind of shows this lack of love that he has for his master in not doing what he should be doing. Now, it's strictly up to the Christian at this point whether he wants to do it or not. He's not being told or forced to do it. But he should want to, and a Christian should never be acting on his own um, interests uh, because he, he, he is there for his master as well. But the thing is, the master has done everything for him. And so he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't need to do anything, but he should want to be obedient. Because honestly, all in all, this whole thing boils down to obedience A slave has to obey. An employee needs to obey. But a Christian should want to obey. If you have kids, and and most of you guys do, a lot of you guys have raised your kids, if you have kids, you know that for the most part, they they do love you. They might might not show it, especially teenagers, man. Little punks. They sometimes don't show it the way they should. Right, but 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 they really deep down inside love you. But it's and you don't really see that until they mature a little bit more, and then they 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 obey because they 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 truly do love you. But at first, even as children, they obey because they have to. You're you're, you're training them. You're you're spanking them when they don't do something right, or you're giving them a timeout, whatever. You know, you're, you're doing whatever. But but they have to obey you. You're like making them obey you. And then as they get a little older, they need to obey you. And they're realizing, they're catching on that when I do obey, it goes better for me, even though they don't like it. They need to because they know it's good for them that they obey obey you. They might not like it, but they need to. But it's not until your kids get older and more mature that they want to obey you just because they understand the relationship between father or or, or parent-kids relationship. They understand it a little bit better. And probably because pretty soon they might be having kids of their own. It's like, I better start listening up here. They find out that you're wiser than they thought you were. Um, But they begin to obey because they do love you. 
and they're understanding. And they understand that that benefit of, of growing like that is good all the way around. It's good for them. The Apostle John is still dealing with the subject of fellowship um, as we get into First uh, uh, John chapter 2. He's still dealing with that subject of fellowship between God and man. And, he, and, and now he, he, he is equating it with obedience, keeping the commandments. So chapter, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My little children, these things I, have, I, I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is our propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment which is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes. Going back to verse 3, 3 and 4, where he says, By this we know that we know him. The word know that John is using here is to know from experience. You know this because you've experienced this. I, I, I could say that I know how to drive a car because I've watched other people drive. I could say that I know how to drive a car because I've read up on it. And I know everything it, it, it takes to read or to write to drive a car because I've read up on it. And I could tell you, hey, I've even taken a test on it, a written test, and I passed it. So I know I need to, I, I, I have everything I need to know to drive a car. Now, I know that some could say or would say, hey, buckaroo, you really don't know how to drive a car because you've never actually experienced it. You don't know what it feels like to really get in there and grab that steering wheel, you know, and rev up that engine and go out in the parking lot and make a donut like somebody did the other day out there, which was like a perfect circle. That guy was experienced, whoever it was, but you should not be doing that in our parking lot. But whatever, it was pretty awesome. People were like, you know, it hits my, my car. It's like, yeah, I know, but it was pretty awesome. That guy, he understood by experience, what it felt to grip that 
and peel out and not that you should be peeling out or anything, but, you know, to have that kind of experience to really like, yeah, I can feel the power, man, in this thing. That guy, he could say, I know how to drive a car. I can make donuts if I have to or if I want to. Um, but he has experienced what it means to handle something. He, he, he's, he's been in it. Unlike somebody who said, well, I've read about it. You know, I've taken a test on it. It's like, yeah, but you don't know how to make donuts, man. You, you, you don't know how, to, how, how it feels to do something like that. And what John is saying here is that you will know that you know Him, that you know God, that you know Jesus, because you have done something, you have acted on something, and you are made sure of that because of your experience. You, you are aware of that. You have perceived it because you have experienced that you know Him. Something in you has, has connected with, with God in the sense because you have experienced who He is. And you could say, no, I know Him. Not just because I've read about Him. I know Him. I know Him. I've, I've done something about it because, because somebody can could, 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 could know intellectually about God. But they really don't know Him. It's one thing to know intellectually. It's another thing to know exper- because you've experienced him. Experimentally? Is that the right word? Oh, oh, oh whatever. Whatever somebody said over there, that sounded really good. <laughs> Experimentally. Whatever. You've experienced him. You know that there's a difference between just the knowledge up here and knowing it. You see, there are those who say they know God, but they really don't because their life is not reflecting obedience in their life. They, they really don't, because if they really did know Him, they would be doing His commandments. They would be keeping His commandments. In other words, their action, their actions, what they do or don't do, shows that they have not experienced Him. I, I like the way the Amplified puts this verse, verse 3. It says this in the Amplified, And this is how you may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know Him, to perceive, recognize, understand, and become better acquainted with Him if we keep, bear in mind, observe, practice His teachings Precepts, commandments. That's a mouthful. This is how you know this. And I love the way the Amplified puts it, that we are discerning daily that we are experiencing God. It's a daily experience of coming to know Him day in and day out. It's a daily basis because you're experiencing God all the time in your life. And so you can say, I know Him because every day I am reading His Word, not just to read it, but to do it. And so because of that, on a daily basis, you're perceiving and you're recognizing, you're understanding, and you're becoming better acquainted with who He is in your life. You know that you know that you know Him. And the way that we know that we know Him is if we keep His commandments. In other words, 
You know that you know Him because you are obeying Him. You are obeying what the Word of God is telling you to do. You're not just reading it to memorize it. You're reading it to do it. You are acting on what you have read. Not just what you've heard, but you've acted on what you have read yourself because you should be doing this on a daily basis because He's speaking to you. That's how you know Him. You know, you know it to be true because you've experienced what He has said in your life. And you are convinced of it in that sense. He who says, I know Him, it says, and does not keep His commandments is a liar. <laughs> it's almost like, hey John, why don't you tell us what you really think here? He says, no, if you're telling me that you know Him and you're not doing what the Word is saying, you're a liar. You're a liar. It's like, dude, back up off my grill here, man. It's like, why are you, you, you like confronting me like this? You know, it's interesting because back in verse, or chapter 1, verse 6, when he says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and the truth is not in us. At least in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, we... It's a little bit more palatable to, to, it's like, we're liars. But no, in this verse, he got like straight up, you're a liar. If you say you know God and you don't keep His commandments, you're a liar. It's like, man, that's not politically correct to be calling somebody liar like that. But here he just says, the one who says you know Him and you don't keep His commandments, you're a downright liar. I paraphrase that one. But, but you're a downright liar. You know, when, when Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he, he was talking about knowing a, true, a tree by its fruit, which he was referring to knowing a man by his fruit. In the instance that Luke gives us, it's a short little saying that he says in, in chapter 6, verse 46. And I'm giving you guys a lot of scripture later on, so start writing them down. He says this in Luke 6, 16, or, or 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? You know, in, in, in Matthew's account, we see that that's when, when they, they're standing before Jesus and they're saying, but Jesus, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? And Jesus turns around and says, I never knew you, depart from me. You know, and, and, and so in that sense, in, in talking about the Sermon on the Mount, I know that he is talking about those who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And John is not dealing with salvation. He's talking to Christians here. He's talking to people who are just being disobedient. He says, you're a liar. He's not saying, hey, you're not going to make it to heaven. He said, you're a liar right now. <laughs> because you know what it is to be true or to do what, it, what to do, and you're just not doing it. But to me, it, it does kind of go along with what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, but He's turning it to the believer, to us as Christians. Why do you say you know me, but you're not doing what I commanded you to do? Why do you say that? What these verses are saying is, if you say you know Him, then your actions should be in line with what Jesus has commanded you to do as a Christian. 
Because if your actions are not in line with His commandments, then the truth of the gospel is not in you. You are a falsifier, a liar. That's what that word liar means in the Greek, falsifier. You are a falsifier. And and the word liar and Christians should never be used in the same sentence, except, although John is using that here. (laughs) If you say you're a Christian and you're not obeying, you're a liar. And it's like, man, that that would never be said about us, about you, about me. It's one thing to be caught in a lie, and somebody calls you out on it, and you're going, and you're, you're like walking it back. Oh, I didn't lie. I didn't lie. It's like, yeah, dude, you just lied. It's another thing when somebody doesn't call you a liar because you have actually lied, is because they're saying, wait a minute, I'm not even a Christian, and I know what Christians should be doing, and you're not doing it. I think you're lying about your religion. Because again, you want to know what you should be doing, just ask a non-Christian. They know what you should be doing or not doing. They know it. And you know it. And you know that when you're deceiving yourself and you're lying to yourself, that, you're, that you really know Him because you're saying, Oh, I love Him. I love you, Jesus. We're just singing that, right? I love you. You're a liar. Do you really love Him? And you might be saying, Well, I, I wasn't singing loud. <laughs> So I really wasn't saying, I really wasn't lying. But you know what? We, we, we do that. Verses 5 and 6, where he says, But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. When we think of commandment, we think of a direct authoritative order demand. But here, in this verse, John uses the word word instead of commandment and he associates it with love. And the question could be asked here, do we keep His commandments because we have to? Because we need to? Or because we want to? And, and it's almost like I want to say, when you hear the word commandments, like, because I have to? Because you hear that word commandment, and you, you, it's an authoritative kind of, I'm telling you to do this, like, okay. But it's not like that here in the New Testament. It shouldn't be like, I'm so afraid. It's like, no, we should want to do His commandments. In all honesty, the commandment that He's, going to, that he's actually talking about here is when Jesus, when they asked Him, hey, which is the best and the greatest of all commandments? He says, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. He says, on these two hangs all the law and the prophets. And so He He's not saying, hey, you have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you have to love others. It's like, I don't want to love others. No, we should want to love others. We should want to love God with everything because He's done everything for us. And He says, here's here's the ultimate commandment, guys. Love God with everything you've got. Everything. And then love your, your, your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? I love myself. 
I truly love myself a lot. I really do. And I should be loving you more than I love myself. That's what, that's what he's telling us. That we should be loving others more than we love ourselves. And I love myself a lot. I don't know if you know that, but I do. <laughs> and so I should not have to love you. I should want to love you. I love loving me. And I should love you even more. I should want to. And so both the commandments and his word are spoken by him. It tells us in verse 7 that the commandment is the word. And what we need to keep in mind is that all of this is relational. We're not being forced. This is family. This is what it means to be in the family of God. He loves us so much and He's brought us into this family and we get to love on one another. We get to love Him with all, with everything. We get to love one another. This is what it means to be part of the, the family of God, to be united together. It's a relational thing. It, it, it's like a, a, a father who tells his kid, to do something, to do what he's tell, told them to do. And that kid should, should do it out of respect for his father because of the authority that his father wields in that sense. But more importantly, these kids or that kid should, should obey his word. What he hasn't condam- commanded him or told him, the, the things that, that, that dad just talks about. He said, you know, Dad, there's a lot of wisdom in what Dad's saying. I should just do what's right because that's, that would be well-pleasing to God. It's almost like you, you show your dad, your, your parent, that you love them because you're willing just to, to see how they walk and you want to walk like they do. Not so much a command, but he's just telling you, this is the way I roll, man. This is what I do. You should just follow after this. When we as Christians obey or keep the commandments, we are doing what we have been told out of respect for God. Because there are commands in the Word. We are to be doing them out of respect for who God is, knowing that His commandments are good for us. They're always good for us. They're not bad for us. They're good for us. And when we obey or keep His Word... We are truly doing it because we have experienced His love in such a powerful way. And we do it out out of love or for love's sake to honor what He has said throughout His Word. Knowing that His Word is also good for us. Everything that is in it is good for us. If we say we know God, then we should know what He has commanded us to do. But we should also know His Word, which shows us who He is. Not just what He said, but who He is, His character. So that we can be like Him. So we can follow in His footsteps, so we can walk just as He walked, as it says in verse 6 here. When we are obeying His commandments and His Word, we can be sure, we can know through experience that the love of God is being perfected in us. And that word perfected means to complete, literally to accomplish, figuratively to consummate in character, consecrate, set apart, to finish, fulfill, make 
perfect. Our obedience proves our love for God because when we obey His Word, we are expressing the love of God to others. That's, that's when we begin to understand His love that is being perfected in us because I'm saying that I love God and Lord, I love you with everything. But when we start loving like that, we begin to show it to other people. And again, it goes right back to that relationship that we have with God because our actions are being demonstrated. God's love is being demonstrated in how we are completing and accomplishing and consummating and fulfilling God's perfect love when we're doing it this way. Because I could tell you all day long that I love God. But if I'm not loving you, what good is it? What good is it? You'll be going, dude, you keep on telling me you love God, but I don't see it. I, I, I could tell you that I, that I serve God, but if I'm not serving you and people, then you're going, something's amiss here because this relationship is not jiving with this relationship that we have here. And see, every time we, we talk about our love for God and we love people, we're perfecting this love this way. Isn't that amazing? That's how we perfect the love of God when we're showing it to other people, when we're demonstrating it. And again, it goes back to that relationship with Jesus as Christians that we get to have with God. It goes back to that word fellowship that we've, keep, we, we've covered and we will continue to cover throughout this book. When God's love is perfected in us, by this we know that we are in Him. When we're doing it this way. It blows my mind. If God's love is being perfected in us this way, then we can't help but show it this way. It just goes like that. And when we're doing it this way, it's looking really good this way too. Uh, what's this, uh, vertical? It's horizontal. I always get those mixed up. This is what John chapter 14, 21 to 24 says as Jesus is speaking. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but of the Father who sent me. So again, John reiterates it over in the Gospel of John. This is what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. By this, you will know that my Father has told me these things because they're his words, not mine. If you turn over to John chapter uh, 15, I want to read to you. Again, he, he said, man, we will come and make our home in you. He, we will come and abide with you. And, and, and we're, we're looking at that word abide in verse 6. And that word abide means to stay. It, it, it means a given place, state, relation, or uh, expectancy to continue, to dwell, to endure, be present, remain, stay, or stand, tarry. 
means that he comes and makes his home in you. And this is what John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, said the first eight verses. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, uh, take, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of its own unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. He, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciple. He wants to abide in us. And if we are abiding in Him, we will bear fruit, which means we will obey Him. We will be doing His commandments and we will be doing His His work. And so at the end of verse 6, He says that we uh, ought to walk just as He walked. If we are to walk like He walked, then we should also talk just like He talked. We should love just like He loved. And we should give ourselves over just like He gave Himself over to imitate Him. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. A few weeks ago, Rick Glancy was teaching on this portion in our summer series in chapter 5. He did an amazing job. And I'm going to paraphrase something that he said that just really stuck with me. And I'm paraphrasing it, but he says, I may not be able to do what Jesus did exactly, but I can do something. And, 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 and he mentioned that he may not be able to feed 5,000 people at one time with a little bit, even if he had a lot of bit. But he doesn't have the money, the wherewithal to feed 5,000 people. He said, but I could feed that one man that sits outside the donut shop. I thought, man, that is, that is awesome. Because, again, we might not do all these great things, but we can do something. That's how we walk like Jesus walked. We may not be able to feed the 5,000, but we can feed that one person. That's how we walk like Jesus walked. We are to abide in Him because He abides in us. Verses 7 and 8. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you. The word brethren here that he calls them is is translated or could be translated dear children or beloved. And so he's talking to his 
his, his, his people that he loves. He says, I write a new commandment to you. But it's an old commandment. And it's like, well, which one is it? Is it new or old? And what John is telling his readers here is, this is a new commandment. I'm not making it up right now at this moment. It is an old commandment that Jesus gave to us when he was still with us. And that has been in place since the church began. And this is what Jesus said while he was still with them. In, in, in John chapter 13, right after he washes the disciples' feet as an act of love, he says this to them later on in that chapter, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, they will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You see, love is the law of Christ. And when we love, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And it goes back to knowing that we know Him. We know that we know Him because we're loving. We're, we're, we're obeying when it comes to love. Because we are obeying what God has said, and we are showing that to other people, in that, people will know who we are. They will know that we know God <laughs> because we're loving in that way. Guys, it, it is one of the fundamental truths of Christianity. It, it brings us right back to our fellowship with Him because we're loving Him. Why? Because He first loved us. Romans 13, 8-10 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness you shall not covet and if there is any other commandment all are summed up in this saying namely you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law isn't that amazing? We are fulfilling the law of Christ when we are doing this new commandment to love one another. <clears throat> These truths about knowing Him, obeying Him, loving Him should be an encouragement to us to do what we are supposed to do. Not because we have to, not because we need to, but because we want to. Because He's done everything on our behalf. And then he says, which thing is true in him and in you. Because this truth that he is love is true in him, because he can't be anything else, and because he abides in us, then it should be true in us as well that we love. It can't be other, any other way. If he is love, then we need to be love. If it's true in him, it needs to be true in us. He says at the end of, of verse 8, because the darkness, or where am I at? Am I there yet? No, I'm not. Where am I at? Be that as it may. I think I just jumped my, my, uh, my notes. Verses 8, oh no, we were, we were in verse 8, huh? Oh, okay, geez, I'm right there where I'm supposed to be. I'm a little freaked out there. <laughs> because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. 
we have, and we have covered those subjects, and we will again. I like that in, in a practical way he puts it for us here that, that, you know what, even though this new commandment was given to us 2,000 years ago to love one another, there is still darkness all around us because we're in this world. And, 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 and again, it, it, when we're battling light and darkness and each one of us do that, we know that we should be in the light because he's called us out of darkness, but we battle with that darkness at times. I like the way he puts it that it's passing away. And every time I get closer to the light, less, and that, less of that darkness is, is overwhelming me because I'm getting closer to him. And so he kind of puts it in a, in, in a practical setting for us um, because when I stumble and I fall, it draws me back to 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just. It brought me back to verses 1 and 2, that you know what, I have an advocate with the Father and so I can stand before him in Jesus Christ. He is the propitiation for my sins. He has covered it all in all. And so when I mess up, when that darkness wants to overtake me and I stumble and fall... I have the privilege, we have the privilege to come to the true light because it is always, always shining. And on that day that I get to experience the true light face to face, when I get to heaven, I won't ever have to deal with the darkness at all because it will eventually pass away. Verses 9 through 11, and we'll close up here, where he says, And he, he who says... He is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness uh, and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And guys, this is an intentional thing. When we decide to go into the darkness, we will stumble and fall. And he gives us this practical application here. Here's, here, here. Here it is, bottom line. It's between love and hate. It's between love and hate. The, the, the issue is all about love here, he says, but if you hate, then you're going counter opposite to, to what the light is. And the bottom, light is, or the bottom line is uh, love and light go together. Love and light always go together, just like hate and darkness do. Obedience and disobedience are polar opposites, just like love and hate are polar opposites and light and darkness are polar opposites. You don't have to love God. You don't need to love God. But we should want to love Him because He first loved us and He gave Himself so that we can have this fellowship with the Father once again through Jesus Christ. You want to quit stumbling in your life continually? Walk as Jesus walked. Talk as Jesus talked. Love as Jesus loved. And give yourself to others just like Jesus gave himself to others. I'll tell you, this will keep you (laughs) from darkness, disobedience, and hatred if you do those things on a daily basis. Walk like Jesus walked. Talk like he does. Love like he does. And give yourself over like he does. Amen? Amen. And that keep his commandments. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Jesus, once again, we're so grateful, Lord God, for your commandments, for your word, Lord God, for what you shared with us even this morning, Lord God, to remind us 
once again, Lord God, that if we say we know you, then we ought to walk as you walk, Lord. We are to, to, to make your, that love perfected in us, Lord, because we know you, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Lord, many who are struggling, who are, who, who are being disobedient, Lord God, and, and, and they're walking in darkness, and they're hating on others, Lord. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that, that even this message has spoken to them to bring them back to that light, to bring them to a place of obedience, that they would repent of their disobedience, Lord. God, your, your, your word is true here, Lord, that we continue to stumble because we hate. Lord, and your word has given us instruction right now of what we ought to do. And so, Lord, we do praise you and we thank you, Lord. I do pray that if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, who doesn't know you, that this morning, Lord God, they would be freed up. If they've been walking in darkness all their life, Lord, draw them out of that, Lord. If they've been disobedient and they've known what other Christians should be doing, but they know that themselves, that they don't do it, I pray that you convict them this morning and bring them to the state of knowledge. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for your word. Go with us now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. There's going to be